volume one chapters twenty four and twenty five of a strange world by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain twenty four we are past the season of divided ills if any one had asked maurice clissold why he had bared old wounds in the dreamy restfulness of that june afternoon in the hayfield and why he had chosen martin trevenard for his father confessor he would have been sorely puzzled to answer so natural a question that inexpressible longing to talk of himself and his own sorrows which seizes upon men now and then had laid hold of him and there had been a kind of bitter pleasure a half cynical enjoyment in going over that story of the dead past there was something sympathetic about martin too a man who might have been crossed in love himself maurice thought or who at least had a latent capacity for sincerest passion friendship had proved a plant of rapid growth in the utter solitude of borcelend maurice felt that he could talk to this young trevenard very much as he had talked to james penwin knowing very well that he might not be always understood when his flights of fancy went widest but very sure of sympathy at all times that afternoon was saturday and on the following morning perfect rest reigned at borcelend even the ducks seemed less noisy than usual as if their own voices startled them unpleasantly in the universal silence mr and mrs trevenard came down to the eight o'clock breakfast luxurious sabbath hour in their best clothes the farmer seeming somewhat embarrassed by the burden of respectability involved in sleek new broadcloth and a buff waistcoat starched to desperation mrs trevenard stern and even dignified of aspect in her dark grey silk gown and smart sunday cap would you like to go to church martin asked with some faint hesitation lest his new friend being something of a poet should also be something of an infidel by all means you drive i suppose as it's so far penwin church that lonely church among the hills was the nearest to borsal a good four miles off at least yes we drive to church and back mother says it goes against her to have the horse out on the sabbath but the distance is more than she could manage the morning service began at half-past ten so at half-past nine the dog-cart was at the door for there was a good deal of walking up and down hill to be allowed for driving in this part of the country being not altogether a lazy business the two young men who occupied the back seat were continually getting up and down and had walked about half the distance by the time they came to the quiet old church whose single bell clanged over the green hillside i'm blessed if the squire and mrs penwin haven't come back cried martin descrying a handsome landau and pair in front of them as they drew near the church are you sure that's the penwin carriage they were not expected three days ago said maurice quite sure we've no other gentry hereabouts except the Morgrave park people and they hardly ever are at home there is no doubt about it that is mr penwin's carriage then i'll renew my acquaintance with him after church said maurice the old grey church which he had explored two days ago had quite a gay look in its sunday guise the farmers wives and daughters in their fine bonnets the villagers with their sunburnt faces and sabbath cleanliness the servants from the manor occupying two pews under the low gallery within which dusky recess the livery of churchill penwin's serving-men gleamed gaily while the bonnets of the maids all more or less in the last parisian fashion made the shadowy corner a perfect flower-bed and most important of all in a large square pew in the chancel appeared the manor-house family churchill gentlemanlike and inscrutable with his pale thoughtful face and grave grey eyes madge looking verily the young queen of that western land 
and viola fair and flower-like a beauty to be worshipped so much the more for that frail loveliness which had a fatal air of evanescence i'm afraid she won't live long whispered martin to his companion in one of the pauses of the service while the purblind old clerk was hunting for the antiquated psalm tate and brady which it was his duty to give out not mrs penwin why she looks the picture of health replied maurice in a similar undertone martin coloured like a schoolboy justly suspected of felonious views in relation to apples i meant the fair one he gasped her sister she ah looks rather consumptive replied maurice heartlessly the borsal end and manor-house families met in the churchyard after the service borsal end respectful and not intrusive the manor-house kindly cordial even with no taint of patronage in sooth michael trevenard was the best tenant a landowner could have a man who was always improving his holding and paid his rent to the hour a man to take the chair at audit dinners and stumble through a proposal of his landlord's help you didn't expect to see us so soon did you mrs trevenard said madge with her bright smile but we all grew tired of town in the middle of the season we're always glad to see you back said michael screwing up his courage and jerking out the words as if they were likely to choke him the place doesn't seem home-like when there's no family at the manor-house you see we were accustomed to see the old squire pottering about the place from year's end to year's end and entering into every little bit of improvement we made and as familiar you know as if he was one of ourselves that spoiled us a bit i make no doubt it shall not be my fault if you do not come to consider me one of yourselves in good time mr trevenard said churchill kindly kindly but without that real heartiness which makes a country gentleman popular among his vassals maurice was standing in the background and it was only at this moment that mr penwin recognized him something like a spasm of pain changed his face for a moment as if some unwelcome memory was suddenly brought back to him natural enough thought maurice the last time we met was at his cousin's funeral and it is hardly a pleasant idea for any man that he stands in the shoes of the untimely dead that momentary flush of pain passed mr penwin welcomed the stranger in the land with exceeding cordiality how long have you been in cornwall mr clissold he asked you ought not to come to penwin without putting up at the manor-house you are very good i have been to the manor-house and ventured to put forward my acquaintance with you as a reason why your faithful old housekeeper should let me see your house i dare say she has forgotten to mention the fact there has been scarcely time we only arrived last night let me present you to my wife madge this is mr clissold of whom you have heard me speak mr clissold mrs penwin her sister miss bellingham madge acknowledged the introduction with something less than her accustomed sweetness although churchill was so thoroughly convinced of the man's innocence madge had not quite made up her mind that he was guiltless of his friend's blood he had been suspected and the taint clung to him yet still when she looked at the dark earnest eyes the open brow the firm mouth with its expression of subdued power the countenance on which thought had exercised its reclining influence she began to think that churchill must be right in this opinion as in all other things and that this man was incapable of crime so when after questioning mr clissold as to his whereabouts churchill asked him to go back to the manor-house with them for luncheon and to bring his friend martin trevenard madge seconded the invitation if mrs trevenard can spare her son for a few hours 
she added graciously mrs trevenard curtsied and thanked mrs penwin for her condescension but added that she did not hold with young people keeping company with their superiors and thought that martin would be better at home in his own sphere if i had ever seen good come of it i might think differently said the farmer's wife with a gloomy look but i never have martin looked angry and his father embarrassed i hope you'll excuse my wife for being so free-spoken mr trevenard said in a rather clumsy apology she doesn't mean to be uncivil but there are points here he came aground hopelessly and could only repeat in a feeble tone there are points thanks for your kind invitation mr penwin said martin still flushed with shame and anger but you see i'm not supposed to have a will of my own yet awhile i must do as my mother tells me come along old lady said michael and after making their salaams to the quality the borsaland party retired to the dog-cart the horse had been tethered on the sward near at hand browsing calmly throughout the hour and a half service maurice drove off with the penwins in the lando what a very disagreeable person that mrs trevenard seems said madge i should think it could be hardly pleasant staying in her house mr clissold she is eccentric rather than disagreeable i think replied maurice a woman with a fixed idea which governs all her conduct i had hard work to persuade her to let me stop at the farm but she has been an excellent hostess and her son martin is a capital fellow one of nature's gentlemen yes i liked his manner except when he got so angry with his mother but she was really too provoking with her preachment about equality more especially as these trevenards belong to a good old cornish family do they not churchill yes love by tray pole and pen you may know the cornish men i believe these are some of the original trays admirable tenants too one can hardly make too much of them do you know anything about their daughter asked maurice of mr penwin yes i have heard of her but never seen her a poor half-witted creature i believe not half-witted but deranged her brain has evidently been turned by some great sorrow from what i can gather she must have loved someone superior to her in rank and been ill-treated by him i fancy this is why mrs trevenard says bitter things about inequality of station an all-sufficient reason i shall never feel angry with mrs trevenard again said madge the manor-house looked much gayer and brighter to-day with servants passing to and fro great bowls of roses on all the tables banks of flowers in the windows new books scattered on the tables holland covers banished to the limbo of household stores and two pretty women lending the charm of their presence to the scene never had maurice clissold seen husband and wife so completely happy or more entirely suited to each other than these two seemed domestic life at penwin manor house was like an idol simple unaffected happiness showed itself in every look in every word and tone there was just that amount of plenteousness and luxury in all things which makes life smooth and pleasant without the faintest ostentation a certain subdued comfort reigned everywhere and churchill in no wise fell into the common errors of men who have suffered a sudden elevation to wealth he neither talked rich nor told his friends with a deprecating shrug of his shoulders that he had just enough for bread and cheese in a word he took things easily as a husband he was in viola's words simply perfect it was impossible to imagine devotedness more thorough yet less obtrusive 
his face never turned towards his wife without brightening like a landscape in a sudden gleam of sunlight there was nothing that could be condemned as spooning between these married lovers yet no one would fail to understand that they were all the world to each other viola had long since altered her mind about mr penwin from thinking him not quite nice she had grown to consider him adorable to her he had been all generosity and kindness treating her in every way as if she had been his own sister and a sister well beloved she had the prettiest possible suite of rooms at penwin a horse of churchill's own choosing her own piano her own maid and more pocket-money than she had ever had in her life before it comes rather hard upon churchill to have two young women to provide for instead of one viola remarked to her sister but he is so divinely good about it she was a young lady who delighted in strong adverbs that i hardly realize what a sponge i am and then came sisterly embracings and protestations thus the penwin manor people were altogether the happiest of families maurice thoroughly enjoyed his day at penwin after luncheon they all rambled about the grounds churchill and his wife always side by side so that the guest had the pretty miss bellingham for his companion it might be dangerous for another man he said to himself but i've had my lesson no more fair soft beauties for me if ever i suffer myself to fall in love again it shall be with a girl who looks as if she could knock me down if i offended her a girl with as much character in her face as the actress poor james was so fond of of the two i think i would rather have clytemnestra than helen i dare say menelaus believed his wife a pattern of innocence and purity till he woke one morning and found she had levanted with paris thus secure from the influence of her attractions mr clissold made himself very much at home with miss bellingham she showed him all the beauties of penwin spots where a glimpse of the sea looked brightest through a break in the pine grove hollows where the ferns grew deepest and greenest and proved a very different guide from elspeth i have been through the grounds before said maurice but on that occasion my companion did not enhance the beauties of nature by the charm of her society who was your companion the granddaughter of the woman at the lodge rather curious people are they not yes i have often wondered how my brother came to pick them up for they are not natives of the soil as almost every one else is at penwin but churchill says the old woman is a very estimable person well worthy of her post so one can say no more about it when maurice wanted to take leave his new friends insisted that he should stay to dinner mr penwin offering to send him home in a dog-cart this favour however the sturdy pedestrian steadfastly declined i am not afraid of a night walk across the hills he said and i'm getting as familiar with the country about here as if i were to the manor born so he stayed and assisted at mrs penwin's kettledrum which was held in the old squire's yew-tree bower on the bowling green an arbour made of dense walls of evergreen cool in summer and comfortably sheltered in winter here they drank tea lazily enjoying the freshening breeze from the great wide sea the sea which counts so many argosies for her spoil the mighty atlantic here they talked of literature and the world and rapidly progressed in friendliness but not one word was said of james penwin who save for that shot fired from behind a hedge would have been master of grounds and bower manor and all thereto belonging that was a thought which flashed more than once across maurice's mind how happy these people seem in the possession of a dead man's goods he thought how placidly they enjoy his belongings 
how coolly they accept fate's awful decree only human nature i suppose les morts durent bien peu laissons-les sous la pierre he stayed till ten o'clock and left charmed with host and hostess churchill penwin had been at his best all day a man whose talk was worth hearing and whose opinions were not feeble echoes of saturday's literary journals after dinner they had music as well as conversation and madge played some of mozart's finest church music choice bits culled from the masses how long do you stay in cornwall was the question at parting about a week longer at borsal end i suppose but i am my own master as to time i have no legitimate profession for i believe literature hardly comes under that head and am therefore something of a bohemian not in a bad sense miss bellingham so please don't look alarmed why not come to us instead of staying at borsal end asked churchill you are too good but i could hardly do that when i offered myself to mrs trevenard as a lodger i said i should stay a week or two and she is just the kind of woman to feel wounded if i left her abruptly and then martin and i are great friends he is really one of the best fellows i ever met except-except the friend i lost he added quickly and huskily feeling that any illusion of that kind was ill-judged here well you must do just as you please about it but give us as much of your company as you can we shall have a dinner next week i believe saturday said madge you will come to us then of course and as often in the meanwhile as you can thanks the dinner party is out of the question i travel with a knapsack and am three hundred miles from my dress suit but if you will allow me to drop in now and then between this and saturday i shall be delighted twenty five the drowsy night grows on the world the advent of the manor-house family made life all the more pleasant to mr clissold at borsalend it imparted variety to his existence and the homely comfort of the farmhouse was agreeably contrasted by the refinement of mr penwin's surroundings he dined at penwin twice during the week and as he became more familiar with the interior of churchill's home only saw fresh proofs of its perfect happiness here were a man and a woman who made the most and the best of wealth and position and shed an atmosphere of contentment around them with martin for his companion maurice saw all that was worth seeing within the reach of borsalend they drove to seacombe the nearest market-town and explored the church there which was old and full of interest here in looking over the register for some name of world-wide renown maurice stumbled upon an entry that aroused his curiosity it was in the register of baptisms emily jane daughter of matthew elgood comedian and jane elgood his wife the date was just eighteen years ago matthew elgood that girl's father was matthew thought maurice can it be the same man i wonder yes matthew elgood comedian there would hardly be two men of the same name and calling his daughter must be the age of the child baptized here for i remember james telling me that she was just seventeen the infant was certainly recorded in the register as emily jane and the young actress's name was justina but mr clissold concluded that this was merely a fictitious appellation chosen for euphony he made up his mind that the child entered in these old yellow pages and the girl he had seen weeping for his friend's untimely death were one and the same strange that the sweetheart of james penwin's choice had been born so near the cradle of his own race it was as if there had been some subtle sympathy between these children of the same soil and their hearts had gone forth to each other spontaneously 
is there a theatre at seacombe asked maurice wondering how that quiet old town could have afforded a field for mr elgood's talents not now replied martin there used to be some years ago the building exists still but it has been converted into a chapel it answers better than the theatre did i believe the week came to an end maurice attended a second service at penwin church and paid a farewell visit to the manor-house on sunday afternoon this time he refused mr penwin's hearty invitation to dinner and wished his new friends good-bye shortly after luncheon with cordial expressions of friendship on both sides he walked across the hills ruminating upon all that had happened since he first followed that track with elspeth for his guide he had made acquaintance with the interior of two families since then in both of which he felt considerable interest churchill penwin must be a thoroughly good fellow he said to himself or he would never have behaved so well as he has to me it would have been so natural for him to be prejudiced against me by that business at ebersham but he has not only done me the justice to disbelieve the accusation from the very first he has taken pains to let me see i am in no way damaged in his opinion by the suspicion that has attached to me maurice had made up his mind to leave borsalend next day he had thoroughly explored the neighbourhood and thoroughly enjoyed the tranquil pastoral life of the farmhouse and he saw no reason for delaying his departure to fresher scenes mrs trevenard had heard of his resolution with indifference her husband with civil regret martin with actual sorrow i don't know how i shall get on when you are gone he said it has been so nice to have some one to talk to whose ideas rise above threshing machines and surface drainage father's a good old soul but he and i have precious little to say to each other now with you the longest day seems short i think you've taught me more since we've been together than all i learnt at helstone no martin i haven't taught you anything i've only stirred up the old knowledge that was in you hidden like stagnant water under duckweed answered maurice but we are not going to bid each other good-bye for ever i shall come down to borsalend again you may be very sure if your people will let me and whenever you come to london you must take up your quarters with me and i'll show you some of the pleasantest part of london life maurice really regretted parting from the young man who had been the brightest and most light-hearted of companions and he regretted leaving borsalend without knowing a little more of muriel trevenard's history he had thought a good deal upon this family's secret during the past week though in all his wanderings about the old neglected garden or down in the wilderness of hazel by the pond and he had smoked many a cigar there in the interval he had never again encountered muriel he had no reason to suppose there was any undue restraint placed upon her movements or that she was unkindly treated by any one yet the thought that she was there a part of the family yet divided from it banished from the home circle yet so near cut off from all the simple pleasures of her father's hearth haunted him at all times he was thinking of her this afternoon during his lonely walk across the hills she was more in his thoughts than the people he had left it was past six o'clock when he entered the old hall at borsalend and he was struck at once by the quietude of the place the corner where old mrs trevenard was wont to sit was empty this evening the hearth was newly swept as it always seemed to be and the fire not unacceptable on this dull grey afternoon burned bright and red the table was laid with a composite kind of meal on one side a small tea-tray on the other the ponderous sunday sirloin and a tempting salad a meal prepared for himself maurice felt sure the maid-servant entered from the adjoining kitchen at the sound of his footsteps oh if you please sir they're all gone to tea at limestone farm 
mr spurcombe at limestone is an old friend of master's and missus said if you should happen to come home before they did would you please to make yourself comfortable and i was to lay tea for you your mistress hardly expected me i suppose i don't think she did sir she said she thought you'd dine up at penwin most likely maurice was not long about his evening meal perhaps he made shorter work of it than he might have done otherwise perceiving that the maid was longing for the moment when she might clear the table and slip away by the back door to her sunday evening tryst maid-servants at borsal were kept very close and were almost always under the eye of their mistress yet as a rule the borsal and domestic always had her young man maurice heard the back door shut stealthily and felt sure that the kitchen was deserted he drew his chair nearer to the hearth lighted a cigar and abandoned himself to idle thought end of volume one chapters twenty four and twenty five